queen. Like I know the game is brilliant. I know everything about it is brilliant, but I spent 15 minutes taking a virtual bath in a game and getting a shave. (laughs) And then another, and then another 10 minutes riding my horse back to camp just to be told that I had to ride my horse back to the city. (laughs) And I was just like, I, I don't know guys. Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. This is episode number 328, and I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Scott. And I'm Ash. And we're all here. We did it. Impromptu. How did we do that? (laughs) I don't know how that happened, but we're all here. Yeah. Welcome uh, back, Matt. Congratulations. Momentous. Thanks. Congratulations for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you're. It's the most exciting part of my life. Uh, finally, getting to be on this show. Um, it's been so long. Uh, yeah, I didn't get to listen to the episodes, not to blow your guys' minds, but one of them was titled with my child's name, and I assumed maybe you said something about it, or no? <laughs> we uh, we I didn't. Did, I did not. That was a. That was just a little Easter egg for you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's, that's nice. Yeah. We, we didn't spill the beans yet. No. Nope. Uh, oh, you didn't announce it at all. No, no, no. Oh, I had a baby, everybody. Yay. <laughs> yeah, you could have announced it. I would have been okay. No, we were. That's, that's, that's for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations. Thanks. It was it was uh, a little unexpected. I think the reason we named the episode that is because it, we recorded the day that it happened, and it was uh, like we weren't like none of us were ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so what we're talking about, my child is we had a little girl. We had her on November twenty fifth, and her first name is Holiday. Yay. Yay! So that was that's the little Easter egg for everybody. But uh, she came almost three weeks early. <laughs> We were not prepared at all. Uh, we had nothing ready in the house. Uh, we had nothing to take to the hospital. We had no means of transporting her home from the hospital. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on the first day that the after she was born, I was I was running to Target to get a car seat just so we could because the one that was getting delivered wasn't coming till the end of the week. So, holy moly, good times. That's yeah, crazy, dude. Well, congratulations. Nice. But everything, everything's good. Yeah. Everyone's healthy. Uh, you know, Melissa's recovering nicely. The baby's learning all new things every single day. So it's uh, it Super is something. Exciting. That's, That's awesome. awesome. And, and now all three of us are dads, and uh, we will inevitably be playing a lot less stuff. <laughs> Speak for well, yourself. Well, we're going to shift the whole focus of this podcast to uh, nothing but kid-related right. uh, things and dad, kid and dad-related yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, if, if anything, I think we've ensured that this podcast will continue for at least another 30 years, right, at this point? <laughs> yeah. Well, now yeah. we have something we can hand it down to our children. Exactly. And... Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. So what are we talking about this week other than babies? Yeah. So we're going to talk about Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and uh, I'm playing The Witcher Thronebreaker, which is the new uh, card-based RPG from CD Projekt Red. Um, you've been watching a bunch of CW shows. You're like always knee deep in those Uh, you can tell us all about those and uh i'm assuming matt's going to be talking about uh different kinds of poo that come out of a newborn yeah and uh and then we'll have some some random news bits and other things and we'll just kind of hang out for a little bit and 
hopefully entertain all of you while you're driving or sitting or working or I don't know, standing, standing or doing whatever you like yeah. to do. But Still thanks standing. for being with us. Absolutely. Ash, do you want to just get right into Super Smash Bros? Because I want to know. Let's do it. So my, uh, I guess, disclaimer is I never, <laughs> I maybe played 10 minutes of Smash Bros in my whole life. <laughs> your your texts to, to us have been hilarious, by the way. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm like the old grandpa, like, what is this game with the jumping and the pushing? <laughs> um, but it's, uh, <laughs> so it, it's weird. I was in this weird window of my life where I grew up with fighting games. I went to arcades and played Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and basically all all of the art, you know, the arcade fighters that came out. And then Smash Bros came out um, like when I was in college or something. And for some reason, I, I never really got into it. I never really picked it up. But I had friends that played it and loved it. Uh, and the few times that I played it, I was always just kind of jammed by the mechanics. Like it felt so different from other fighting games. It kind of uh, in the early days kind of put me off to it. Uh, it seemed like way too simplistic. And like back in the day, I was like, oh, if I can't do like, you know, ultra combo finishes, I don't give a shit. Like I want my babe, I want my babalities. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, uh, so smash to me, like I, I was way, way too edgelord, uh, for that game when it first came out. So, uh, I guess now I'm a uh, kinder, more gentle Ash because uh, I picked up ultimate, uh, mainly because of all the hype surrounding it and uh, all the positive buzz. I was able to download it directly onto my switch. Uh, and I've been looking for a game to play sort of at night while, uh, I'm taking care of my kid and he passes out or, you know, I'm need to be in another room or something. And the switch is the perfect the perfect device for a mobile fighting title. Yeah. And surprise, so, it's a super hardcore fighting game now. So congratulations. <laughs> well, the thing that yeah. the thing in all honesty, um, I'm pretty impressed with the mechanics of it. Uh, it has a lot more depth than I was expecting. There's something to the effect of right now, 75 plus different fighters and they all have different mechanics, which is kind of wild. So if you pick up a character like Samus, uh, and this to people that have played Smash of the Past is going to sound like a total like moron describing the mechanics of this game. But each and every character plays differently. Um, there are some uh, Echo Fighters which have similar sim similar skill sets, but for the most part, they're different. And uh, they kind of appeal to different to to different players that like different types of fighters from like the history of fighting games. So you know Ken and Ryu are there if you want to play you know, if you want to play like a Street Fighter character. Samus is there if you want to play Metroid in your fighting game, or Mario is in there if you want Mario style mechanics. And that's really where the magic of this game lies. You have all these characters from different universes, um, Sonic, so on and so forth, combined in this one fighting game that is uh, genuinely just a joy to play. And uh, the thing about Ultimate that made me get it was the World of Light mode, which is the single player mode, because uh, I don't have over to play video games anymore. <laughs> Sadly, I like I don't have groups of like smash parties and that's just not the place that I'm in right now. So uh, I knew I'd be playing a lot more of the single player experience than the multiplayer experience. And World of Light mode is is super cool it has a giant above world map similar to like mario and it actually turns the world of smash brothers into an rpg so you go from node to node um and you collect these things called spirits and the spirits actually give you stat buffs and different things uh, while you're brawling so for instance uh you can get a like a spirit that 
increases your fire damage or one that increases your jump height or one that increases your attack speed or you can get spirits that give you like you start off the match with a sword or you start off the match with a laser gun and then you can combine spirits as you collect them so as you're on this above world map you're collecting spirits which you can combo in different ways so you could do like plus fire damage plus sword uh plus fire damage plus high jump plus speed and like you can basically combo them any way that you want and there's literally hundreds of different spirits and all the spirits are characters from all the different games games that exist in smash so there's characters from metroid there's characters from uh you know mario there's characters from metal gear all these characters exist as spirits that you can collect in this collection slash rpg mode on top of that there's a skill tree which you can actually level up your characters <laughs> and uh you, you can you know go through and and, and pick what you want to do as you advance like increasing your attack speed and making yourself immune to wind and all these cool different things that you can get in your skill tree. Um, and then the above world map itself is interactable. So you'll get to a, a point where you see like a boulder in the path and you're like, Oh, I can't get past this yet. And it's like, you need a spirit that has like explosive power. So you'll go out and explore the rest of the map and you'll get in a bunch of fights and you'll finally like a Bomberman spirit and he'll allow you to blow up that rock to get to the portion of the map that you couldn't get to before, which unlocks another 20 or 30 different fight nodes and spirits. I probably played this uh, seriously about 15 hours. Wow. Already. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. About 15 hours. I've been playing a lot at night and um, I have been really impressed with how, how much depth there is. And I that's think all that single player is what you've been playing. It's, it's all single, single player. So player. as wow. you unlock as you unlock uh, fighters in this, they unlock for all the modes in the game. So you'll explore and you'll eventually get to like a boss fight. And I'm using finger quotes here as if you guys can see me. Uh, and if you beat the boss fight, you'll unlock that character in all the modes of the game. And uh, the coolest one that I did is like a really quick anecdote. I ran into this dungeon and it looked like this fiery, awesome dungeon. There's all these different fights I had to go through that were super challenging with like lava floors and high winds and just crazy, crazy stuff. And eventually I got to the Bowser boss, beat Bowser, unlocked Bowser for all my game modes. Uh, and it just felt very epic to go through this, this big dungeon that looked different from the rest of the overworld map and actually unlock a character that I really wanted. So um, yeah, World of Light is fantastic and, and Smash is a lot of fun. I mean, I always with all that these fighting games of, that makes me think of um i don't remember which version of mortal Kombat it was but it seems like a much more refined good version of that weird mortal Kombat they put out where they did the rpg mode into the fights like essentially you played through a story that just led to fights was really all that it was right but um i think it was like two or three it was pretty early on in the mortal Kombat series i think but um yeah leave it to nintendo to, to just finesse something into a really fun playable mode so would you it's I guess, so, in your so opinion good. if you were to um you know if looking at this game for yourself is the single player mode you know worth the full price of admission even if you don't really ever go into like the traditional you know pvp or online mode i would say so yeah i think okay. there's not only is there um is there the single player mode but they're also doing events now so they have their first event launching this weekend in world of light where you have special challenges and and different uh fights available there that unlock some spirits that weren't available before so it's also a really a it's really cool for nostalgia and collecting purposes so you know i mentioned metal gear before so you'll have someone like 
you know, like Liquid Snake as an unlockable spirit or, you know, someone like an old Mega Man uh, boss like Snake Man or something that'll give you a special ability. So you can just go through and honestly just collect stuff endlessly in your off time. And each fight only takes, you know, a minute. So you can go through for five minutes, play a couple of matches and turn it off for a while, unlock some more stuff and rinse and repeat. Um, awesome. but yeah, very, very impressive. The game mechanics are super fun. I'm awful at it. Like, I don't understand how four plus people as I guess it's four, is it four player co-op four yeah. player. Yep. Yeah. How four people can play this game. Like I'm way too old and slow when there's that much going on in the screen. I lose track of my character. I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm just like, ah, so when it's like one on one, I'm totally fine. But if there's like three people pounding on me. I just like want to throw the controller. So that's, it's that's, chaotic you for know, sure. Yeah, it's totally chaotic, but I think uh, the the trick is picking a a main and like sticking to that main and mastering that character. So I'm kind of kind of working on that. Cool. Well, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Um, it's good. It's really really good. And you know, I I definitely think it's gonna be it's gonna sell a billion copies. <clears> and um, I, I actually look forward to playing this with other people if the opportunity ever arises. <laughs> I think you're gonna have to you're gonna need the Nintendo Switch Online though, right? That's kind of the idea behind. You know, that's kind of like a pro move by Nintendo, right? To like introduce Nintendo Switch online two months ago and then put out the game that you will be playing online with other people. Right. Um, well, and then you can do local too with it. Oh, so cool. old school stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with bring the, a bunch of controllers over. With the online, it's like uh, all of the classic Nintendo games and stuff that they have on there have been pretty awesome so far. Like, they, yeah. They yeah. Serve bullshit on it and then be like well there you go like good luck pay for this thing because i paid for it and i was like oh this is actually pretty awesome i'm pretty happy with everything that's on here yeah that that part is i think pretty robust in my opinion like not only like you said the games they've been adding but the way that they work how easily you can do you know basically everything that you were doing with a with an emulator or what i've heard that you could do with an emulator for like the past 10 years right where you can do like save states and um you know, return to those save states and kind of bounce in and out of game very easily. So that's, they're also releasing modded versions of their original games. So like there was a version of Zelda they released in there that had like different unlocks and, and all sorts of crazy weapons and stuff like that. And different versions of Mario. I feel like that. I I read about that. I think it's kind of like the, the 2018 version of the original legend of Zelda where it's like, they start you off with a bunch of equipment already. Right. uh, So you don't have to like, you know, so it's kind of more, it's more of a pick up and play game for people that, are not used to that like sort of old school style of um, you know, what is now kind of perceived as like a brutal Nintendo game where it's like very difficult and uninviting. So right. um, that's kind of cool as well that they're kind of modifying some of those. Do you want to talk uh, about green. the, the, the new Witcher title that came out recently? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. I want to hear about it. Yeah. So um, I was pleasantly surprised by this because I had been tracking it for some time. Um, the uh, folks at CD Projekt Red uh, released a new game in the in the Witcher world called Thronebreaker. And uh, what Thronebreaker is is when you look at it, it's sort of it looks like a isometric um, RPG, and the art style is sort of uh, reminiscent of I don't know, kind of like a cell shaded, almost like a Borderlands kind of look when you're looking at the map on the top down. But really, the meat of the game is uh, Gwent, which is their um, their card game, their competitive card game. And what I really like about this game is that it really just feels like a proper campaign for Gwent, which is kind of exactly what I wanted because I've dabbled in some of these, um, you know, online card games. Like I did play uh, Hearthstone at one time. I've tried Fable Fortune. I did play Gwent for a while as well. And, um, you know, for me personally, I've never been a big PVP person in general. So 
um, you know, having Thronebreaker come out and finding out that it really just feels like a campaign for Gwent is like fantastic, in my opinion. That's cool. What so, I said to you right before we started, not to cut you off, is like I was actually surprised with the amount of stuff that's out right now that this is what you chose to play. Like oh, sure. I knew you were a fan of these card games, but I just with the the volume of new releases and, and all the crazy stuff going on when you said you were playing this and I heard it didn't um, sell as well as a CD project red was hoping. So I, I ne- was never really sure about the quality of it. So, I mean, that's for me, that's sort of a head scratcher because I, I think like by itself, like the quality of the game is fantastic. It's, um, it's uh so a lot of the game is what you would expect from a traditional rpg so you'll go you know you'll go speak with somebody and there might be a choice for you to make like do you want to help this person do you not want to help this person but everything in the game is um has voiceover right so the character like so there's a narrator who will read you know read the dialogue to you or the 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 story uh you know you encounter a peasant and you know um their town has been ravaged by ghouls and what would you do and so when there's a voice for the narrator. There's a voice for the character that you start out uh, playing, which is uh, the queen. Um, I think it takes place like maybe right before Witcher three. Uh, so the, the, the queen of Rivia, I think is the character that you start out playing as, but like, you know, like she is voiced, like the person who's sort of your advisor has a voice. And so the game just feels really rich. And a lot of the, even the scenes that appear to be static sort of have an animated look to them. So characters are sort of moving around, like while you're watching two characters speak to one another, um, so I just think the whole presentation of the game is really high quality. Um, overworld map looks great as well when you're just kind of walking around looking for things to do. And then of course, cool. of course, when you go into game, it, you know, it is Gwent. And the thing that kind of helps me out with this a little bit is that it's not just the traditional Gwent battle format, which is uh, you play three rounds against an opponent and you try to get the most points uh, and then like best two out of three wins, right? That's traditionally the model for Gwent. Um, right. But in this one, what they allow you to do is that they give you things like puzzles or they give you battles that are faster. So if you encounter a puzzle, uh, that will be something where they give you um, a pre-made deck and they'll just say, like, try to defeat all the ghouls without taking any damage. And so at that point, it's really just you trying to figure out, like, what's the right order I play these cards in in order to pass this puzzle. Um, there are also battles that are just made to be shorter where you take your own deck into battle, but it's just a single round and it's like, you know, uh, capture the wagons before the bandits escape. And so the, you know, the wagons will be represented by cards on the, on the playing table and you either have to defeat them or just end the round before they can get away. So it's like, there's a lot of variety just within, you know, what they're doing with the Gwent game in general within this game, which for me is exactly what I wanted. Um, and so to answer your earlier question about like, why are you playing this game? Um, you know, given that there are other things out there, um, it has sort of been my tradition to, uh, play whatever the Assassin's Creed game is like as my winter game, but those games are so uh, consuming, right? That I usually break that up with something else like that is totally different. And this game is that game that is totally different, right? So it's uh, like, okay, makes it's like, sense. You know, if I'm tired of running through the world map in Assassin's Creed and you know f- getting my boat everywhere and uncovering every little spot on the map, like I can just pick up uh, Thronebreaker, which is a fantastic uh, mental switch from a game like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And then just play that for a little while and get into some battles. Um, this game, I think the campaign is about, uh, I don't know, I, I, I would guess that it's about 25 to 30 hours long just based on what I've seen wow. so far and what I've it's played. Impressive. Yeah, and that I think that's if you're doing everything, right? I think you can get through a little bit faster if you are uh, rushing through it. The last thing I'll add about this game is that it is sort of connected to 
the uh, Gwent, the proper Gwent game, because um, as you play this game, you can unlock cards for your Gwent account. So if you are currently a Gwent player, this is definitely a game that you want to play because just the, you know, just through the nature of playing this game, you unlock more cards that you can use back in the, in the competitive game. Right. So there's definitely a crossover and I think, you know, there is some encouragement to get you to go from one to the other, but um, I don't think you need to be a Gwent player to enjoy this. Uh, if you just are into, you know, like if you really enjoyed, um, what was that? Uh, Hand of Fate, you know, like you would love this game. If you liked right, Armello, right. you would like this game. You don't need to be a Gwent player to like this game. But if you right, are, cool. if you are a Gwent player, you should definitely play it. So that's Witcher Thronebreaker. I think it's available everywhere, including Switch and PC and Xbox. So you know, a great game, super solid. Cool, awesome. Uh, I just finished watching. This is gonna be a little quick, short review, but I finished watching the cw this year's cw big crossover event elseworlds which was uh took place last week on arrow and supergirl and flash and i won't spoil it too much i will tell a couple little things that listeners may find interesting uh, one i the way that i viewed it i waited until they were all done and watched them all together like a movie which was super fun uh pop some popcorn sat down and watched three hours of ridiculousness um mm. Which is going to be my tradition if they keep doing these until I'm like even older. I'll I'll do this every year and just kind of wait till they finish and watch them as a, as a film. But uh, it was really cool. So the thing about Elseworlds, if you saw any of the trailers, there was like this cosmic disturbance that I won't reveal too much of. But um, uh, Barry, so Flash and Arrow, Oliver ended up switching lives. They didn't swap bodies like Parent Trap style. They actually swapped existences. So everyone in Barry's life thinks he's the Arrow, and everyone in uh, Oliver's life thinks that he's Barry Allen, and they have each other's ability sets. So Barry now is the Green Arrow and can do all of Green Arrow's cool ninja stuff, and Oliver Queen is now the Flash and has all the Flash powers. Um, How you got to see them in each other's roles was just weird and fantastic. And, uh, of course, they bring Supergirl into the mix because she lives in a different uh, reality. So they kind of go to her reality and she knows them as being in the right people, which was really cool. But they also did a couple things that were really, um, really kind of brave and different. They brought Superman back on the show, which is cool. They went to Gotham City, uh, which they have never done in these shows before. Mm. And these shows have been on for like seven years or something now or seven seasons at least and uh they've barely even mentioned gotham but this time they actually go to gotham they kind of reveal what happened to the bruce wayne in this in this show's universe which was cool for them to finally say what happened to bruce wayne and they introduced uh batwoman uh kate kane from the comics so they introduced her she has a couple really cool fight scenes they are priming her up for her own show next season that's, on the uh, CW. That's ruby ruby rose i think is her name right from uh yeah. orange is the new black that's awesome yeah, yeah. She was really good. Um, they, Like I said, they went to Gotham. They do this cool fight sequence inside Arkham Asylum. So it was weird having them really dive into like the deep DC mythology. They avoided it for a long time. Like They would barely talk about Superman in the beginning, and then they slowly introduced him. Now they're introducing Batwoman in Gotham City, and, and uh, eventually, of course, we're going to get Batman, but we're not quite there yet. But it was cool. Um, you know, it was uh, a little odd at points. Like what I think because I spent so many er hours with these characters uh, as those characters, seeing them with different ability sets and behaving differently as a result of those ability sets um, was really strange because like Barry realizes about halfway through that he in order to like be a good shot with his bow and arrow in order to be able to actually use 
Oliver Queen's ability set, he needs to be angry and adrenalized. And so you get to see like angry Barry Allen. Like <laughs> <laughs> he does like a few, you have failed the city lines and it just was like weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird after watching it for too long. Uh, but cool. I mean, you know, these shows are, uh, are silly and fun, uh, ridiculous sort of popcorn Dorito shows <laughs> where he just likes it back. You're like, this is so dumb, but I love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so at th- at this point, is there is there source material for these for these plot lines, or are they just kind of making stuff up at this point? Yes, yeah, so I think that that's the good thing. Uh, I've never been a huge DC guy, but Elseworlds okay. was a big DC crossover where this same thing happened. Gotcha. Um, okay. And they are building. They announced at the very end of this one. It's not a spoiler, but uh, the next crossover for next year is going to be Crisis uh, on Infinite Earths, which is when all the so the DC multiverse exists with a, a series of different Earths that are all um, existing at the same time, and you can travel there through like dimensional portals. Crisis on Infinite Earth threatens to combine them all into one, so you'd have all these characters, uh, you know, kind of battling to see you know who's going to end up surviving uh, when the when all the Earths combine at least that's to my knowledge that's what it is yeah if i remember correctly it was one of the worst dc crossovers in the comic books it was like poorly received if there were two that came out around the same time and it was crisis on infinite earths and oh man i don't i think the green green apple jesus the green Green lantern one came out at the same time uh, where there was all the green lantern like crossover stuff that jeff johns led and i want to say crisis everybody kind of hated but i think it was just poorly rolled out across I don't know that it was the story, I guess is what I'm saying. It's that it was like rolled out across like many different books and everybody was just super annoyed with how it got rolled out more than anything else. Um, And there was like a flash storyline too. I don't remember anyways, but yeah, that's interesting that they're pulling it off in TV. I think that's kind of amazing that they're going after these giant crossover storylines that previously kind of seemed like only feasible in comic books, you know, right, like the, right. how would you possibly pull it off on a TV show? But well, it's getting crazy awesome. and like super like, you know, there are several instances in this Elseworlds crossover where they're having, you know, these deep conversations with cosmic beings about the fate yeah. of the universe. You're like, you're just like a weird ninja dude. You know what I mean? It's like, it's I, f- like, I find it's interesting that they use the legends to kind of like do this too. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, they used the series that I initially like immediately wrote off when it got, <laughs> I was like, I'm not watching this junk. <laughs> this yeah. is insane. So I think it's kind of cool that they've, they've managed to, to create this insane TV universe that they've Yeah, been. it's fun. They're having fun with it and um, we'll see what happens. They keep adding more shows. So we'll, we'll for sure be getting Batwoman next year and then beyond yeah. that, who knows? Yeah, that's awesome. So let's review some baby poop. How's that baby poop going? <laughs> There's so many different states of it, guys. It's insane. And it transitions <laughs> so fast. You know, uh, the first one is amazing and like no other poop you'll ever see in your life. Uh, so anyone who hasn't had kids that has a kid eventually, good luck with that one because it's crazy looking. That, It'll that, happen. That's the tar stage, right? That's the venom. Yeah, yeah. it's like a <laughs> venom. venom from the comic books. Yeah. When she's when she's outputting the alien organism, it's uh, it looks exactly like what venom looks like. Yeah, uh, that's scary stuff. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's it's not. You know, it's fine. It's not that bad. She, we were. I was talking to Ash a little bit about it on Slack, but uh, our baby stores it up for two days and then gives us a real a real show after oh, that, wow. uh, yep. just to let us know how it's going. My favorite thing about it is that doctors don't know and everything just seems to be like, yeah, it's probably fine. It's like the answer every time you're like, my child, you know, turns purple every time she poops and they're like, does she turn back to normal colors? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, that's eh, probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> like It's like always the answer to everything. Yeah. Yeah. 
for real though, I did play some video games. I played Fallout 76 a bunch, played with some friends briefly. Uh, not a lot. They've played a lot more than I have for obvious reasons. Uh, started Red Dead, uh, played um, uh, Kingdom... The new iPad title, Ash. Why did I just blank out? Oh, it's called, ve- it's called Vengeance. Vengeance yeah. it's, it's the Kingdom Rush. Vengeance. Yes. Uh, there you go. All of them very good. Uh, Fallout 76, not very good. But it's... it's uh, it's a confusing game. It's a confusing game. I won't get. <laughs> okay. It's just what it doesn't feel like is a Bethesda game, I guess, is the best way to put it. It doesn't feel like a company that historically, you know, I would put up near, uh, you know, Blizzard or 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 Rockstar. You know, it's a company who previously would roll out a game when the game was ready and it felt good and it was like awesome and you like i have a hard time thinking of bethesda games that i was like oh that's a weird one there's some obviously there's been some because they're a giant publisher but i don't know you know like their big titles always felt really well put together and it didn't feel like they would ever put a fallout game out that didn't feel like fallout if that makes sense right Uh uh-huh and i think that's the most baffling part about this is they put a sandbox game out for fallout but it's not um it doesn't feel horribly finished, but it doesn't feel un. It feels almost like intentionally unfinished. Like they were like, "Well, we're just going to put it out and see what everybody does with it, and then we'll fix it as we go." Uh, and it that is odd. It's just very odd. They there was weird bugs. Like your camp would just get taken over and disappear if you weren't in the world when it was around, and somebody took it. And now, now they're doing these weird ways to like share camps, which is very bizarre. Uh, they aren't really, you know, in Borderlands, if you co-op with each other, you usually can kind of manage level disparity pretty well. So right. if you've got somebody who's like super high level and somebody who's super low level, it usually was pretty good at managing that for you. This is just like, God forbid you run near someone who's high level. Like you don't even have to be in, in group with them. Like you just run past somebody who's high level and you'll attach a bunch of like level 10 guys that'll come over and just murder you Im- immediately. So, so let me ask you oh, a question. Geez. What? what are you supposed to do in this game? And I'm not trying to be snarky. I really don't understand like what, what is sort of the, the basic core gameplay part of fallout 76. It's a uh, building camps and building a campsite and exploring the world, I guess. Okay. Uh, the weird thing about exploring the world is that there's no voiced characters. Well, there's voiced characters. There's no voiced NPCs in front of you. Everybody's dead. There's nothing in the world. Like literally everyone's dead. Okay. So, all you run across are tapes. You like listen to a bunch of audio tapes. You read some stuff that is found around the world. Um, I have one coworker who who loves it and thinks it's like fantastic. This is like his style of gameplay, which is just kind of slow and explorative. Okay. Uh, he's the only one that okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that really loved it. Um, but it's. It, it's just, it's an odd, the world is huge. They made these giant maps and then they limit how many people can be in it. So it just feels very empty, which in one hand, I think probably was an attempt at making it feel like what the initial survivors of, of nuclear fallout would feel like, you know? But on the other hand, it doesn't really add a lot to the world that you're playing in, you know? Like it doesn't create a lot of like random... Uh, encounters that are interesting and fun and what you would talk about at the end of the day. So this, you know what I mean? This so. kind of sounds like the kind of like the magic of this game would be for you to have these sort of 
unexpected encounters with other players in the game world. And like, those would be the stories like that. Those would be the experiences that you have with this game. Yeah. But when you're instanced to 20, whatever people, 24 people on a map that could hold like 500. Oh yeah. uh, You just don't run across people a lot, you know, like it's like alone. Yeah. I mean, I sold it sometimes where I would play for hours and like not see a single other player, which is, wow weird you know like it's weird to do that in a world where you would think you'd see a lot of other players can you intentionally like group up with people like if you all wanted to go okay yeah yeah that's like that's i think that's the intended goal at the end of the day is for you to group up as much as you want uh with other people and like you know early on i thought this was a streaming game i thought it was built for twitch kind of like to create these narratives and these stories i've like switched a little on it i don't know that that's true just because there's not there's not a lot of like what makes PUBG or whatever those games exciting for people to watch happening in the game yep, at the end of the day. Hype zone moments, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Like so like it's like I don't know, it's just it's hard to classify. I have a feeling it's a game that if Bethesda can, they'll just keep rolling out up like No Man's Sky kind of thing. They'll just roll out updates for literally ever on this game. Right. Um but it does feel like it might be expensive for them to manage. So I, who knows how long yeah, who knows. Who, how long it'll run for it it's just it was just confusing because it's such a an iconic setting from an iconic publisher and to see a game roll out that doesn't necessarily feel exactly like that was weird to me was weird uh but who knows you know i don't know in six months i know no man's sky at this point is a completely different game than when it started and i've played no man's sky a bunch and enjoyed a good portion of it so it's like Maybe they fix it. Maybe they work some more on it. Maybe they roll some more updates out. They're already doing that. There's been patches just like almost every week rolling out for it. So I know they're attempting to fix stuff as as quick as they can and as as much as they can. And hopefully it just keeps adding more and more to it. It'd be awesome to see some actual NPCs in the game that you can talk to and interact with at some point. That would be pretty incredible and I think make it feel a lot more Fallout-y. But you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. I guess um, the way that you're describing it kind of makes me think of like Sea of Thieves, kind of like the same idea where you just kind of get in there and you do stuff on your own. And sometimes you encounter other people and sometimes you don't, you know, right. they've been updating the game, adding new features. You're so drive your ship off the edge of the map and die over and over again. Yeah, you could do that too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, so- somebody somewhere probably decided that there was a market for games like these. And so, Maybe we're just sort of at the beginning of what, you know, games like this could be in our current, uh, like I think console very, generation or you know, gaming generation. Yeah, they feel like weird social experiments. Sure, like they feel like weird tests of what humanity would be in weird settings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. like, and some people are being super nice and chill, and some are not. I guess uh, I haven't heard a lot of reports of people being outright nightmares inside of this game, so that's kind of interesting to me because that's what I thought would happen yeah. right away. I thought we would just turn into a nightmare human and we would be dealing with terribleness, but it doesn't seem like that's the case, which is I've actually heard more good things than bad things yeah. about how people behave in this game specifically. Yeah. Which is weird, right? Like it's weird to hear about that on the internet, you know? So it's like, that's, that's interesting to me and I could see it being more interesting, but it's, it's just one of those games that, uh, like I'm not sure I didn't latch on to Sea of Thieves either, either you know like I got it I played it because I had co-workers that were playing it and I was like oh it's it's interesting in a way but I'm just not sure what it is that's supposed to bring me back I guess right um, 
the only thing I will say about Red Dead, I'm barely into it. I'm like, I don't even know if I played an hour or two. Is why do they start you in the most brutal, terrible like, <laughs> open for a game? Like, why can I not enjoy games anymore? Like, everything has to just be the heaviest, yeah. hardest that you can get into. Did you talk about this when you talked about Red Dead Ash? I don't remember. Uh, I, I probably uh, the starting location. Like I said, I'm only I think on chapter three, so I'm not super deep into that game. Uh, I'll go back to it eventually, just because I hear as you progress, the story gets better and better and better. But I, I don't feel like the opening was very strong. Yeah, um, like it's brutal. Like it's just not even fun. I'm just like trudging through snow, killing wolves and trying to stay alive. Like I'm like. <laughs> Horrible! Like I don't want to do this. Leonardo DiCaprio film is it? That one yes, it essentially is, and it's like it's such a weird. I guess because they feel like well, they already got you. Like they don't have to get you into this game because they know you're here because it's Red Dead kind of thing. But like, I just never felt like this in the first game. You know, even Mexico at its most long and boring never felt like brutally hard to get through. It just was like, oh, this is I'm going to go save another person from bandits or whatever it was right uh this just feels like i'm just like i don't even want to turn it on like it's like <laughs> it's tiring <laughs> not to mention that it's so like a bleak and dreary winter outside for me in real life right now too. Right. So right. i don't need to play a video game where i'm also bleak and dreary it's funny but... with red dead though it's like I, I i'm seeing with a lot of reviewers as well um there's there's clearly two camps the camps are this is the best game ever made and i don't care that it's slow paced and i don't care about all these you know minor minor gripes that everyone has and then there's people that are like holy god i am like i feel like i'm playing the game of paint drying and like and then and and i don't i i kind of feel like i'm somewhere in between like i know the game is brilliant i know everything about it is brilliant but i spent 15 minutes taking a virtual bath in a game and getting a shave <laughs> and then another and then another 10 minutes riding my horse back to camp just to be told that i had to ride my horse back to the city <laughs> and i was just like i i don't know it's like, guys it's like it's like rockstar heard us all being like oh i just love being in the west and oh do you <laughs> Right. challenge accepted here you go right <laughs> be the most western you're ever gonna play that's right uh, yeah it's it's pretty brutal but you know i mean i'll keep playing it and it's gonna take me i think it's just gonna take me forever like i can't imagine this game i can't imagine i don't know when i'll finish it <laughs> like you know our children will all be taking over the podcast and i'll be like i finished red <laughs> dead Let's yeah. talk about it it's a and then the last thing I played just briefly, because this isn't even a review. I know you already reviewed it, Ash, is uh, Kingdom Rush Vengeance. Jesus Christ, they just put out like amazing game after amazing game. Like Every single one of them has been phenomenal and fun. Uh, I will say normal mode is fucking hard. <laughs> it is really, really hard. It is, yeah. It is. But it's such a fun... I love that they rolled out the unlocks so much faster this time. Like It used to be like they kind of pace you through all the different... Um, types and all the different you know abilities that they would get over time and you kind of be like pretty far into the game before you were like had archers that were just mauling through people but i'm like oh no i'm already like i'm barely into the game and i already have like full unlocks across all the different things so far like it's just they they just really throw you in and let you go which is really kind of awesome and i love the twist of being the bad guy and walking through so much fun i was like oh what a fun like twist on this thing so 
really enjoying it. Uh, those guys just continually knock it out of the park. I'm really amazed at how well they do mobile games without them being mobile games, if you will. So uh, I think it's really awesome. a bunch of forza too the other night which was you know still still an absolute blast uh actually got into the map which i didn't realize i wasn't in the map yet scott have you, you done that what have do you, you played? mean what do you mean in the map you unlocked the festival and like actually gotten into all of the driving stuff that happens all of a sudden uh, like i i'm not sure i know it, i mean i'm pretty far into the game but I, I i guess i don't really know what it is that you're seeing so i i hit a point where they're like level what level was I like 20 or 30? Yeah. I don't know. Somewhere. There. And they unlock the festival and then they unlock multiplayer and all of a sudden the map shifts and you get like tons. Oh like yes. The whole, like it just, it goes from being like a manageable amount of things that you can go do. Yes. Like there are more things on this map than I could possibly ever attempt. And then every week they roll out new things and others disappear. And then every day they have different daily challenges going on. Like they basically like, they were like, oh, level 20, good for you. You've been playing this game for a little while. Here's the whole yeah. game. So they, they <laughs> still like, kind of like, they slowly, like based on what you're doing, so they'll slowly roll out more stuff to you. So if you're, uh, let's say you're doing speed traps, right? So you'll have like five speed traps and you'll do some of those yeah. and then like 10 more will show up on the map, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you also get like, there's different sort of, I don't know what you call them, like quest lines. So there's like a quest line where you're like a stunt driver the stunt driver one's super fun. Yeah, they're great. And then there's like ones for like off-roading in your traditional races. And then um like you said the the live component is the Forzathon. Yeah. So those they have Which uh, was really daily and weekly missions. Time. It was really passive last time and it feels a little bit more interactive this time. It totally. feels a little bit more totally. engaged in the game. Yeah, and it's like it, you know again it's opt-in and everything as well, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but super I don't know. Yeah. Enjoying have you tried good. have you tried the hourly uh forzathon like the one that starts every hour on the hour no okay is it live like with yeah. actual players yeah so there's this live thing every hour on the hour that uh they call you to a specific place on the map and you all work together to complete uh three objectives and then if you do you get like more of those like forza points that you can use in the special event store to unlock the things that are available there so yeah, that's cool yeah it's cool you might you, like you would all race to the to a single spot and like the, the announcer would be like you know collectively get you know two hundred thousand drift points and then you see 20 cars like just doing donuts like in a field somewhere uh <laughs> it's kind of fun like you should try it at least that's... once um yeah yeah i will for sure then, i've been playing mirrored on the computer some oh, so cool. that most can watch tv and then uh you know, if you don't feel overwhelmed enough, the first expansion for uh, Forza Horizon 4 just came out as well. So you can, it's called uh, well, Fortune Island, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, uh, that, yeah, that I, will be uh, there too. I think I got it because I bought the Yeah, you should have it. Yep. Yeah, so I think it's it. already downloaded, but yeah. Cool. Crazy. Yeah, man. So that's crazy. That's what I've been doing for three weeks is watching a baby poop and playing those three games. That's great, so, man. That's it's great. crazy that that much time has already transpired. Yeah, yeah, she's three. Today is actually her due date. Oh, cool. <laughs> congratulations! Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we will call this podcast due date. <laughs> um, so uh, I just want to give a quick uh, 
review in progress update for Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which is the, you know, if I have a main and an alt game, that's my main right now with uh, <laughs> Thronebreaker being my alt right now. Um, I'm having some really great moments with this game that um, I didn't really capture uh, in my uh, discussion about it last time. And I just wasn't far enough into the game at that point to really have a feel for what was going on. The thing that I will say right off the bat is that I had sort of a Red Dead 2 Mexico or Red Dead 1 Mexico moment in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, <laughs> which I'm really excited about. Um, and it's going to sound stupid because I'm a dummy, right? But, um, you know, they have you do a bunch of stuff right up front. There's a starter island. You get through some quests, like as you're kind of traveling through different parts of Greece. Um, eventually, they tell you to go to uh, a little bit further south in the map and you end up going to Athens, right? And, uh, oh, cool. you know, like, me not knowing where that is on the map, like physically on the map, right? Um, I'm just following quest markers. So I, you know, I dock my boat and I'm traveling through some mountains and I get to the top of this mountain. I look out over the top of the mountain and I can see um, the Acropolis basically in Athens oh, right? cool. from like a mountain peak. And so basically I can see the entire city of Athens on the ground. And then you see the Acropolis, like that's just kind of like, towering over the middle right with the the parthenon you know in the in the center there um and it's just like it's incredible to look at in the way that i did coming over the mountain and seeing it for the first time yeah and then having played all of these games i started thinking about it because i go to you know you go to the um the parthenon and that's kind of the synchronization point for for the uh, city of athens and then you get mm -hmm. to see the entire city from like a panoramic view and like in my mind i'm thinking like athens would have been, you know, maybe one of two or three locations in a game like Assassin's Creed 2 Brotherhood, right? Oh, right. Right? Yeah. Just one, you know, like, that would have been a third of the game. And, like, on the map of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, like, it's like a, a fingernail. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, it's that's, unbelievable. How, that's how damn big, like, maps are, these, you know, in these games now, which is crazy. I also love, like, somebody made a joke on Twitter, obviously, because that's all that Twitter exists for these days. But somebody yeah. made a joke on Twitter about... The Assassin's Creed games um, saying that they go to such great lengths to have everything be historically accurate and all the buildings are to like the proper scale. And like, so when you go and look at the Acropolis, that's going to be what the Acropolis looked like. And then it's like, and then there are space wizards with magic golden apples <laughs> yeah. that, that shoot space lasers at you. And you travel through time using like a VR headset. It's like, you know, it's like totally it doesn't make any sense but it's wonderful yeah yeah for sure that's i mean that's definitely the case in this game as well like your uh your uh spear of of leonidas is like supposed to be sort of a uh you know precursor artifact in this game um that's not really a secret or anything i didn't spoil that um, yeah but that's kind of the idea so you you know you eventually you do encounter some of that uh precursor race uh stuff where like everything is like blending time and space and all that that crazy stuff but like yeah like when you see the the acropolis it's fucking huge like and like that was the first time in this game where i actually felt like very small and this game felt very big and um yeah. you know to the point of like what the game is supposed to be like it's an odyssey like i really felt like you know like i'm really on an adventure now to visit all of these places and do a bunch of things um that's cool and i it, it, it is very cool yeah so i'm glad like i'm glad that the game is sort of making me feel that way and it doesn't really feel like a list of chores that i'm doing anymore um the other thing that i will add is that uh and you guys can tell me because you've played some of the uh you know the shadow the um lord of the rings games like oh, yeah. so right. i don't know if this is the same but in this game and in the previous game but not as much they have this like mercenary system right yeah. where if you uh, you know, if you've ever played like a Grand Theft Auto game, like 
the more trouble you cause, like the, the more heat you gain. Right. And so in this game, as you kind of gain this heat, uh, mercenaries will come to collect, you know, to come to kill you, to collect a bounty on you. Right. And yeah, it's like the orc captains okay. and stuff from, yeah. But for me, like, I, I don't know how this, I'm supposed to receive this part of the game, but for me, it's almost becoming hilarious because it always happens at the weirdest times. Right. So <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be, um, you know, maybe raiding a camp and like kind of, you know, so like when you go to raid a camp, you need to like kill the leader and like steal the gold and do all this other stuff. And so in the middle of sneaking around and like fighting people, all of a sudden you hear like the, there's like a horn, you know, like this deep horn sound that plays that alerts you to, you know, a mercenary is on the scene and like all of a sudden a mercenary shows up and they all have completely different fighting styles and gameplay mechanics, which is really cool. And all of a sudden like the, the, the tempo of the battle changes, like the course of what you're doing changes because now you need to deal with this mercenary who is uh, antagonizing you, which is kind of funny, but kind of weird at the same time. Like it's cool because it changes the combat, but it's also funny because they just turn up out of nowhere. Yeah. Like when you're trying That's to like, really do cool. something I else. like that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the kind of the thing that you can abuse a little bit is that they give you a Spartan kick in this game. Right. So there have been times <laughs> where it's like, you know, the game wants to sort of announce these mercenaries to you. Like it's a big fucking deal. Like, Orkios the Kingslayer and then he shows up with like a sword and a shield and he's like I've come to collect my bounty and then it's like Spartan kick and he falls off the cliff and he's dead and like <laughs> it's like 10 seconds in the game with me right and like that's it um that's great yeah, you know you can't you can't Spartan kick everybody off a cliff some some people have like um you know traits that make them sturdier or whatever and you have to fight them but like in those yeah. moments where somebody shows up and I just kick them off the edge of a cliff I'm like oh sorry buddy like you got like five minutes of screen time in this game and like, that's it. You're done. So, uh, that's kind of a weird thing, but, um, <laughs> the game, you know, all, you know, obviously there's not like a Templars and assassins order that I've encountered so far. Like it's almost like they're telling a parallel story of like, you know, this has happened before and it will happen again. You know, they might not be called Templars, but there is always going to be, you know, a shadowy organization and people that need to be in place to stop them. So, in right. terms of like the tone of this game being an Assassin's Creed game, it's, it is starting to make more sense to me at this point. Uh, so, um, you know, I think all of my original fears, like before this game even came about, like what the hell is going to go on in this game? Uh, I kind of feel better about it. And the game actually does feel like its own thing, which is nice too. So it's awesome. um, not well, that I need to tell you to go play it, but like, you know, you can go play it. It's, <laughs> it's good. It's, it's, it's on my list of many, many games. <laughs> yeah, and of course, it's going to yeah. take you like 100 hours to do it. But like the ship combat is faster and it doesn't feel as cumbersome. So even if you're like not, you know, if you're like me and that's not really why you come to this game, like you can still get through those parts of the game and they're totally fine. Like it doesn't bother me at all. Cool. Huh. Cool. Yeah. What else do y'all want to talk about today? Uh, let's talk quickly. We got a, a handful of news items. Let's really quickly talk about this, uh, the Infinity War trailer that finally dropped. Sure. <laughs> along end game. With, yeah, end game. along with Captain Marvel. They dropped really close to one another. Apparently there was going to be a Spider-Man trailer, uh, Far From Home trailer that dropped this week too, but I don't think it's coming out yet. Maybe next week. But yeah, so this trailer's out. Uh, it, it, I guess poses many, many questions, pretty somber. <laughs> There's no real fighting in it kind nope. of shows you what happens to Tony and Nebula. They're kind of stuck on, uh, not the Milano, but the guardians next ship, which I forget yeah. the Benatar, the Benatar. There we go. They're stuck on the Benatar running out of food and captain's crying. Chris Evans is tearing up. It's looking pretty sad. Uh, yeah. they show, they show or's, Hawkeye. Or's emo. Yeah. 
Thor's Thor's emo looking pretty grumpy and Hawkeye's there as uh, the Ronin character this time yeah, doing some Ronin. ninja stuff in Japan. Yeah, I don't know. It got me super excited. Uh, obviously, I, I'm it, it. Oh, that that. Let's just talk really quickly about the the ending tease with uh, Scott Lang showing up. Yeah, uh, from the quantum realm, which I thought was really super cool. Which means he got out on his own, essentially. I think Luis got him out. I think yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing if he's in the van. <laughs> Luis, uh, Luis is the one who is going to kill Thanos, I think. I mean, feasibly setting up Ant-Man to be a pretty big character in this movie and the quantum realm to be probably pretty important since he seems to have survived uh, the the decimation, as it were. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I probably watched this trailer, I don't know, half a dozen times and uh, got really hyped. It was just so cool to finally, after not knowing what the hell the movie's even called, to actually yeah. see, you know, kind of a, at least a little piece of what's going to happen next. I, um, I'm, I, will I'm say that, I will say that I hope uh, Thanos is the first big bad to, or not the first, I guess the second and possibly third, question mark, yeah. to survive and be a long-running villain through throughout the rest of the Marvel Ooh. movies. We'll see. I mean, who knows? They'll probably kill him, but uh, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to have him stick around and just be Thanos like he is from the comics, which is just this constant, you know, villain. Well, he's had some gray area in the comics, but constant villain in the movie uh, world. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it, maybe maybe they make the uh, the big prison finally in the quantum realm that that is in the comic books. Uh, I forget the name of it. What's it called? The I, I forget. I totally forget. Yeah. Um, but I got hyped too. I told Melissa, I was like, we got to get a babysitter on April 24th or whatever the date yep. is. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they moved it back a week. It's funny. It's yeah. like, right now, that's like, I think Christina and I have seen all the Marvel movies since since Iron Man in the theater together. Yeah. So it's like, even with the baby, we're like, this is like the, the rare time that we go out to the movies is when Marvel movies yeah. drop. So, uh, so good times. Oh, and P.S. Um, Matt, I, I, you probably didn't listen to last week's episode, but Ash totally went to go see Wreck-It Ralph without his child. He just, I did. I did. He's like, I saw Wreck It Ralph by myself. And I was like, What are you talking about, man? <laughs> he yeah. told me he saw it and I had a feeling he went by himself, but I didn't know for sure. Like, I was you like, You didn't take your kid with you to the kids' movie. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Actually, Christina and I both went together. Oh, but we, even better. We, yeah. We just left we just left Lincoln home alone. He was all right. Just watching the dogs are with him. He's fine. <laughs> um uh, let me. The other, so I need to ask you, uh, my you know Scott's one quick uh, dummy sure. comic book question for the for the episode. The is just comic books. Yes. Uh, well, here, no, the, I got a better one for you. I got a better one for you. So, um, I'm getting these uh, you know Marvel books from the library for my kid to read. They're like reader books yeah. that you know teach the kids how to read. So we got one. Yeah, yeah. We got one about Ant Man and the Wasp, right? And so I'm reading, and it says Ant Man can make himself really small. He can also make himself really big. Right. So first of all, didn't know that. Is there an in-between for Ant-Man? Is oh, it... that's, that's in the second movie. He does. He does the, the giant. OK, so is there the is there only two settings for Ant-Man? Is it only really small and only really big? Or if it's like today, I want to just be like seven feet tall so I can play basketball. Can he like, no, make he... himself slightly bigger? There's in between. If you see the Ant Man and the Wasp, he shrinks himself to about three and a half feet tall, which <laughs> and it looks like a it looks like a five year old. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you should see Ant Man and the Wasp is real fun. You should you should watch yeah. that one. Yeah, uh, I do want to see uh, it. Yeah, and I do like Evangeline Lilly as well, so I'm interested in that yeah. in that movie. But it's not my. It's one of my 
lesser favorite Marvel movies, but it, it some of that stuff is very fun. You get a lot of Ant-Man backstory. Okay, cool. Well, backstory. thanks for clearing that up. So scalable sizes, not just two settings. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah. He actually has a scene where he argues with the guy who essentially is Giant Man, right? Yeah. Uh, and they talk about how big they actually got, and it's a funny scene. <laughs> ah, aha. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, oh, Captain Marvel. We're going to jump into Captain yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Let's talk about that quickly. So the second, I guess the full, the first one was a, a teaser. So the full first real trailer for Captain Marvel dropped. We got a little bit more yep. about her backstory uh, being taken by the Kree and I guess brainwashed by the Kree. We get to see a little bit of Jude Law's character of Jan Rog, which is one yep. of the villains from the comics. So spoiler alert, he's a villain. Um, we also got to see um, a little bit of Ronan the Accuser again. Yep. The flashback of Ronan the That's Accuser. Good. Before I was happy to see him again because he's awesome. Yeah. And of course, we got some really great stuff with Nick Fury in this. Young Nick yeah. Fury with two eyes um, and her cat. This uh, looks like an interesting take on an origin story because what it looks like they're going to do is fly through history of her while in the present feasibly because it moves through decades like we've seen many decades in that trailer there's like the 80s and the 90s and then wherever she is in the alien world so obviously something happened she doesn't have her memory they're kind of replaying it uh so i mean it could either be really hokey because that's a very hokey take of not having your memory and having to re relearn who you were uh or it could be really interesting to have them go through these backstory snippets and see pieces of who uh, carol danvers was before she became Captain Marvel, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in it. I, the, I'm probably more excited that they're introducing the Skrull because they're such a screwed up part of the Marvel universe, uh, where they basically world break everything. Like, so for you, Scott, the Skrull are green guys <laughs> with weird chins and pointy ears, and they can shape shift into any person essentially that they want. So there's a whole uh, storyline in the Marvel universe called secret invasion, uh, which followed civil war, right? Yeah. Followed yeah. civil war. Yeah. And, uh, you learn that all of these heroes had been kidnapped at a certain point and were being impersonated by the scroll. So like captain America was one of them, I believe. And, and a bunch of others oh, okay. that, uh, that basically world broke everything that had been built up to that point. Uh, which would leave us with the possibility of this happening in the movies, which is a thing I think I've brought up multiple times every time <laughs> we talk about this stuff where I'm like, it could be the scrolls and they could have just, you know, impersonated all these people. Uh, and then we always talked about how that'd be a really weird and hard thing for them to pull off. But here we go. Captain Marvel's bringing the scrolls in and that's definitely going to be a piece of it. So uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. And um, I don't know. So that's coming up in March. Yep. And then right after that is Infinity War in April, yeah. which is just 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 bonkers. Um, and then should... no more Marvel movies because they're all dead. Yeah, and that's it. The end. That's it. That'll be the end. Yeah. Uh, quick thing about the Marvel Netflix stuff while we're talking about Marvel. Um, yeah. Netflix revealed that there is a, I guess, a clause in the contract. So even though uh, Luke Cage and Daredevil and uh, Iron Fist have been canceled, there's a rule that says, uh, what is it, two years or three years? Two years. Two years, yeah. They're not allowed to switch over to another network for two years after the cancellation. So uh, a lot of people were really clamoring for those shows to move over to Disney Plus as a new series, or none of the actors can go over there and none of the shows can go Correct. over there. Defenders for, included. For yeah. Although Defenders, they said, was maybe in the gray area, but it looks like it likely none of them can be moved over. I, I think this, we talked a little bit about it, but I think 
this likely means the end of those actors playing these characters. It's really hard for an actor to just be like, well, I'm going to chill for two years. Like (laughs) it's, it's unlikely, you know, Um, maybe, maybe things align and daredevil gets to come back. I could see them maybe doing a limited series with those, those characters two years later, but I could also see the amount of content that Disney's probably going to put out uh making it's those characters not stuff. so uh there's a solid chance that we may have seen the end of uh daredevil and iron fist and luke cage uh, at least in the incarnation that we had it on netflix that's too bad um i also i think tonally that we're going to get different shows from disney plus than we get from netflix which might also make them not fit with what disney plus is really doing so interesting crappy way to end it because we all thought oh well they're canceling all these because they're disney disney's moving them over but clearly not so right right i know sad sad times i i was a big fan of um i think the the actors portrayals of those characters and i was talking about this earlier more so than i think some of the plot lines and um i feel like it was at times uh almost too dark uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, there was a point where like King- Kingpin was like squishing some dude's head in the car door yeah. and his head pops off and you're just like, all right, like I couldn't even I watch a Punisher after one episode. I was like, this is going to be too heavy for me. <laughs> it's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty heavy. I love I mean, I watched all the shows. Liked it, I, I liked it, but, but it was, you know, it was it was a lot, especially something like that would never fly on on Disney Plus. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely not get the, the dark, gritty Netflix verse over there uh, anytime yeah. soon. Um, the last quick thing is talking about all the stuff. The Game Awards happened last week, or maybe even later than that at this point. But uh, I wanted to talk about some of the big announcements that came out of there. I watched these live from my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and there's a lot of actually, I'll say this. I was impressed with the Game Awards this year. It was tolerable. I don't think I had any moments that were like, cringeworthy I, I like i sat through it all and i was like oh this was pretty pretty cool i they mean did a pretty sh- good job. shout out to the opening right of the uh of the entire event having you know the three public figures for xbox nintendo and sony walk out on stage and sort of read something together i thought was um i mean i feel like that's kind of a big deal to to have them do yeah. that you know to sh- be on stage together and be like hey we're here to celebrate gamers and gaming in general we're not here to you know to compete or anything like that so i thought that was right. a great show of unity to to start the show yeah, I think yeah. that went a very long way, and that's sort of you know something we've been saying for a really long time. It's like I still see people trying to start a console war between PlayStation and Xbox, and I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> who cares? I mean, like yeah, honestly, right. like honestly, do you really think that these three guys hate each other in real life? Like, you know, no, this is probably no. not the first time that they've all been together like in the same space right to like have a conversation they all get on their individual private jets and they (laughs) they facetime each other and say ah ha 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 look at us with all our money (laughs) exactly um Uh, is that how rich people talk yeah i have no idea i i I mean i i specifically don't think phil does that for sure but (laughs) yeah right yeah uh, so big announcements coming out of Game Awards. Uh, Obsidian announced Outer Worlds, which is their uh, non-Fallout RPG that they're yeah. making a, a big open, and I, won't, I don't want to say open world, but a big narrative-driven space adventure game, which looks super cool. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, not dissimilar to Fallout in the best yeah. ways possible. Um, I was not expecting a title of this size to come out of Obsidian at this point, so... I'm really excited by this. I can't wait to see what happens. It, I feel like 
all the thing all the things that 76 did not have things like vats and npcs and quests yeah. <laughs> and yeah. all that stuff is going to exist in this game yeah. uh but in, in an entirely new uh place i mean that yeah. that cool. seemed like the immediate reaction of the internet you know when the game was announced to be like um to you know to to look at this and go well you know obsidian's just chilling in the cut and they're going like well people want to play a fallout game and people want to play a borderlands game so what if we kind of made something uh you know that helped to fill that void i don't know if that was their original intention but that's certainly how it seemed to land with um uh you know with with the general public on on twitter in my yeah. opinion yeah yeah so this looks looks great i'm super happy that it's happening and uh we may know some people working on it so i wish yeah. them luck too yeah um other people that we kind of know had on the show florence won best mobile game against nice. PUBG and fortnite which is wild that's crazy so you have this smaller i'm using finger quotes was smaller narrative kind of emotional story game going up against fortnite and PUBG mobile um which you know no one expected Florence to win, but uh, a lot of the folks that voted felt differently. So Florence wins best mobile game. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to check out Florence, definitely check it out. It's uh, available on iOS and Android, and it is a, a beautiful and kind of somber experience, but it's good. Really great. Yeah. A, a good use of your cellular device, I would say. Um, Dragon Age 4 is teased. This was uh, a big moment for a lot of our Dragon Age 4 fans. Our Twitter feed absolutely exploded because this is the first time they've really acknowledged that Dragon Age 4 was happening, even though we uh, were well aware that it was happening for a while because it had been kind of leaked here and there. But uh, yeah, so we don't really know much beyond the fact that it's going to have Solus in it because you heard a little bit of his voice in the teaser uh, clip that they showed. And beyond that, there's no release date. There's nothing. Everyone's saying this is two to three years out still. Um, probably might longer. I, might I put in a vote for them to take their time and make the game they want to make and put out the game that they feel like everybody deserves and that they want to do. You know, like, hey, cool. Let's all be chill and just let them make a really awesome, super big Dragon Age game. Like, we don't, you know, I'm cool with it. Yeah, Take your time. Take your time. I am too. I am too. I mean, I'm definitely curious because a lot of the, uh, you know, Laidlaw is not there anymore. And a lot of the folks that worked on uh, Inquisition, they have since moved on from the company. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a very different game in terms of, uh, you know, the overall direction of the game. But I think that could possibly be a good thing at this point. I, I'm interested to see, um, you know, where the Dragon Age universe goes. Uh, I I felt like, and this I don't want to go into a review of Inquisition, but I felt like the narrative of that game near the end got a little, um, little challenging to follow, at least for me. Even someone I've read all the Dragon Age books and and have consumed everything Dragon Age humanly possible, and even at the end of end of Inquisition, I was like, so wait, what just happened? <laughs> I I feel exactly the same way, and I did not read okay. the Dragon Age books, so you know, certainly like by yeah. the time I got to the end of that game, I was like, wait, what? Like, is did yeah. did it end? What happened? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was uh, not a huge fan of of that, and that'll probably get a couple internet spears thrown my way. But <laughs> it's okay. So I'm I'm hoping that this is uh you know a, a more concise tale. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I play Dragon Age solely as a fan of Bioware, right? Like, I play Mass Effect as a fan of Mass Effect and Bioware, right? So like, um, you know, I guess you being someone who reads the books and me being someone who just plays casually. You know, if we both didn't really understand, like, what kind of happened at the end of the game, like, right. you know, maybe that can be kind of uh, explained, I guess, in the next one or kind of 
the lead up to the next one might, you know, provide some context for what's going on in this universe. Right. Yeah. I remember finishing it and, and talking with some other uh, Dragon Age fans and they were like, what, you didn't like read those pillars inside that one dungeon on the on the left? If you like walk to the left of the camera and look at those pillars and read them in this particular order, then the ending makes sense. And I'm like, so wait a second. <laughs> In order for me to understand the end of this game, I will have, I would have had to have read particular <laughs> yeah. pillars or something. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. It, was, it was my own fault. No, my own no fault. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, in Dragon Age, I'm just smashing stuff. Right. So like, that's cool. Like right. people liked it. I'm happy for them. Uh, I'm looking forward to smashing things whenever the next game is ready. So it's all good. Yeah. Yep. I loved it. I just uh, didn't didn't fully understand it. Um, so Epic launches a new Steam competitor, which is available now. There's not a ton of content on there, but the... Uh, it is available now. You just got to go check out the the new the new epic uh, the new epic launcher, and it, it I, has. Uh, what is I it? love that they just tagged it onto the launcher. Like they were just like, "Yep, you already have the store," and you're like, oh, "Okay." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Discord basically did the same thing. You know. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool. So it has a better split for developers, and uh, it's a lot easier to navigate right now than Steam because there's a lot less games on there. Yeah, uh, Steam, Steam needs an overhaul. Steam's been the same design for a long time, and I think yes. it's it's time to to overhaul that store. Yes. Uh, one of the things about um, Epic Epic Store that I really like is right next to the title of the game, it also has the name of the the developer next to it, which I think is really cool just to kind of broaden the the profile of the developer itself. Um, I just like the way that it's laid out. And of course, like we said, the developer gets a better cut. Um, And they're also going to be getting uh, some exclusives. So I I think it's it's a good thing. This is, I mean, yes. Uh, I I think the the challenge now is that we're going to be, we're going to be kind of living in a world in which, you know, PC gamers are going to need to have, I don't know, like 10 different apps on their desktops for all the different games that uh, need to be played. Right. So, right. Right. um, It's just, it it will be interesting to see, I guess, what happens after that. Does that make sense? But it's, it's good. Yeah, I I agree. But I think it's good in the sense that like, so what you're talking about is like, you'll need Battle.net, you'll need Epic, you'll need Steam. You know, you might need good old games depending on what you're playing. Yeah, like you here's what Discord, you could. I mean, it currently here's what you could stuff. have installed on your machine: uh, Twitch Launcher, UPlay, Origin, uh, GOG, uh, Battle.net, Steam, Epic Game Launcher, and that's and that's Humble. not even including like if you play LOL or um, Fallout 76, you need the Bethesda Launcher, right? But but on top of that, though, like there is something good about uh, not making Steam your default library manager. Sure. Of so course, like, of course, Steam Steam had a had like a, a grip on it to where every independent little game studio that wanted to make a game basically had to make it compatible for Steam to manage it, you know? Yes. And yes. we're not we're still not there. Steam's still the default by far. But like maybe over time, maybe we see enough of these competitors shift the market in a way that like you get a little bit of variance in how you want to manage games, whether you want to deal with DRM, all that kind of stuff can be like tweaked and changed and you know maybe developers get a better name like ash was saying or maybe they get a better split like whatever it might be i think there's a need to not make it so much that steam is is the only one we all use yeah i i totally agree with you i think all of this uh competition will ultimately be good for consumers and you know maybe uh in light of that if the only burden you do have to bear is to install multiple programs on your computer maybe that's not the worst thing in the world um i just don't know i'm just curious to to know what will happen in the future um, because I, I don't well, think, I don't think it's going to be the norm to have 10, 10 separate game launchers installed on your PC. Well, 
and like what will make it bad is what makes like um tv cable cutting bad right now which is like yes. paying if there was like subscription prices for all these things where you were paying three bucks for steam and four bucks for you know epic and like all that every month that could become right. a nightmare right now it's just like you know you're only buying the game once and you're playing it on one of those platforms kind of who cares sort of thing but I agree. I think it could be a mess, but it will consolidate a little. Let's just hope it consolidates in the right area and we're not just handing one company yeah. everything. And I guess to your point, right. uh, Discord and uh, Origin both have subscriptions through their game launchers uh, on PC. Yeah. And uh, sort of hot off the press, uh, Discord just announced they plan to do 90-10 revenue split just to edge out yeah. Epic just a little bit. I think they yeah. were like 88-12 or something like that, so... Um, the competition is heating up. It's awesome. It's a good. It's a good competition. Um, two little last bits of news. The first is uh, Ultimate Alliance Three Black Order was announced, which uh, is going to be a Switch exclusive. So uh, this one, to me, I put this near the end because I'm so excited for this. I loved the Ultimate Alliance games. They're like the ultimate beat 'em up couch co-op. They had tons of characters to use, and the fact that Ninja Theory is working on this. Uh, Ninja Theory, of course, did like Ninja Gaiden, and they did um, a lot of the Disney Infinity uh, uh, Star Wars stuff. So they're they're really really fantastic at brawling. I will never forget sitting on your couch while you fell asleep playing Ultimate Alliance. Because I think I was there too. We played for either, like seven or eight hours one day, like in it, the evening. Yeah, it was either is either Christina or Melissa's like bachelorette party or something, right? Somebody, yeah, one of us yeah, was yeah, getting yeah. married, and and our significant other was in their bachelorette party. We're all sitting on Ash's couch playing Ultimate Alliance until like whatever time all in the morning. night. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fun. That was like a long ass time ago, yeah, and that's I mean boring. that was the last time these games were out too, which is yeah. the reason why I'm so excited. There's so much nostalgia and. Um, you know, it's looking fun. It looks like it has characters from Avengers and Guardians and uh, some X-Men characters as well. Yeah. So so good stuff. Ultimate Alliance 3, Black Order, Switch sometime 2019. And the last thing I wanted to bring up, um, not a Fortnite player. I have played. It's it's great, but I am i can't build and shoot at the same time, so I don't play it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I can but build and die at the same time. That was yeah. I was pretty good at that. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. But they're doing something really cool called creator mode where they have um, basically you can go in and build your own buildings and skyscrapers and all sorts of mini games and contraptions. And then they highlight one in the main game every week in an area of the game called the slab. So they'll actually go through player made experiences and port them into the main game. And then the massive audience of however many 40 million, 50, 100 million people playing Fortnite right now can experience your creation um, in, in a live environment, which I just think is really creative and super cool. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, that's about it. That was a lot of stuff. Yeah. In, uh, yeah. In an hour plus. Um, we are done for now. That was episode 328 of the Rated NA podcast. You guys can find us on Twitter, and that's at NerdAppropriate on Twitter. Email us directly, nerds at nerdappropriate.com. We, of course, have Mixer and Twitch and Facebook, which is slash uh, nerdappropriate on Facebook. And uh, we'll be back next week. I think is next week. No, week after next is Christmas. Week after is Christmas, yeah. So we'll do we'll do one more probably before Christmas and probably a couple more before the New Year. So thanks for hanging out with us, and we will talk to you guys soon. Yeah.
getting messages on Slack. Hopefully it's not from you guys. No, it's from work. Oh, oh even better. <laughs> we'll ignore those for you now. You thought you were out for a minute? Yeah, that's fine. 